Road. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Keith Battle Podcast, and I'm Keith Battle. And I'm so excited that you all are back with us this week. It's a blessing to be able to share time with you, whether you're in your car driving or you listen to this on a bus or on a subway, however you commute or you're listening to it while you're working out. I'm just grateful that you're tuned in and that you support and that you subscribe to us and give us feedback. Thank you for your support. Please share this with other people. And uh, I'm really excited about today. I'm excited about every week on this podcast. But this is this one is very special because it's talking about a subject that you don't hear much about. And that is finding fulfillment in life after raising children. Like particularly for women, what what do you do to find fulfillment in your life after you've raised children, after you've been a full time mom, after you've focused on that part of your life? How do you move into the next phase of your life and find fulfillment in the next phase so that you discover that there's more to you than just being a mother? Because before you became a mother, you were a person. And then you got this season of mothering that takes so much of your time and energy. But then what do you do in the next phase of your life? And we have somebody who's lived that out, who's done it successfully. Somebody is one of my wife and I, one of our favorite people in the world. We got with us Karen Briscoe today. Karen, hello. How you doing? Well, thank you, Keith, for the introduction, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think that there's a lot of women that, like me, uh, invested many years into their families and their children, particularly, but also supporting my husband and his career, and then, but feel like there's something next, there's something more. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let me let me introduce you all to who Karen is. Karen is a real estate mogul. She's a successful real estate agent, has author, she's an author, she's a mom, she's a wife, she's a, an entrepreneur. She also has her own podcast, a, an awesome podcast that we want to hear about too today. She's done so much stuff in her life. She's like my athletic hero. She does so much stuff in that space. We're, we're going to talk about some of your athletic goals, your fitness goals and things you've done. But that's Karen, how about you share with how we met and how we both feel about what we call the QLM community? Tell us, tell tell our audience about that. Well, so Quantum Leap Mastermind is the community that Hal Elrod, which is, he's the author of The Miracle Morning. And I got to The Miracle Morning because you mentioned being an author. I wrote a book, Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day, which is like a daily devotional for real estate agents and sales professionals. It's Name called Real Estate in, um, Success in Five Minutes a Day. So the idea is you read a page every day, just like you would like a spiritual devotional or motivational literature, and then you have something to put into practice, a, a takeaway and I was on a podcast with a gentleman who's in the real estate space. And he said, Oh, my gosh, you need to meet Hal Elrod. And the idea of the miracle morning is really foundational for faith based uh, communities and people as well, because it's got so much it's got the this um, first is silence, which could be meditation, or it could also be praying and then you have affirmations which is saying words of that are affirming to yourself and uh, visualizing and you know where there is no vision the people perish so that's really impactful and then exercise uh, get your body moving reading so that's where 
my book came in and then scribing, which is journaling, which again is has a very spiritual um, component to it. So I met Hal and started becoming came to the the big event, which is Best Year Ever Blueprint in San Diego. And then you and I both met in uh, Austin, I think it was. And so there's a smaller group of about 50 that meet a couple of times a year. And the, you know, the really beautiful thing about the small groups, it's just like small groups in faith communities, but small groups and entrepreneurs is that you really learn from each other in in so many ways. Sometimes it's easier to see what it's going on in somebody else's life <laughs> than it is when in our own. And you can affirm each other. You can hold each other accountable. Uh, you can also um, just inspire each other and encourage each other. So that's that's where we met. And then you and I became accountability partners. Yeah, we did. And, and so for those who don't know, again, QLM stands for Quantum Leap Mastermind which is a three-day business retreat that is kind of an offshoot of the best year ever annual big event put on by Hal Elrod and a guy named John Berghoff. And together they put on these events. And, and the QLM Mastermind, again, is where we met, where we do kind of intensive work around business strategies and we hear speakers. But a lot of the work we do is interacting with each other and then Karen and I ended up in an accountability group called a flight group, where there's about maybe six of us and we rotate being accountable to each other. And what it did for me was help me to complete my book. I mean, they, you know, you set a goal, the group's going to hold you to it. And I really appreciate that. And in fact, I mentioned it in the, in my latest book, uh, how grateful I am for, for my flight group. So Karen, let's talk about your journey. Your story as a mom um, started when, and what sacrifices did you have to make or give up to be a full-time mom for your kids? Because were you, is that when you were a mom, when your kids were little, did you work outside of the home or was that kind of your full-time focus? It was definitely my full-time focus. My husband, Andy's career was required quite a bit of travel. We lived in the Washington DC area, no, no family. And so I meant somebody had to be on, uh, on duty. And I wanted to I wanted to. My mother worked uh, when I was young, and it was the one thing that I wanted as a as a, a blessing and a gift for my children. And the and and many women do. Uh, the difference is is that I never really felt like I was skilled at it. I I my sister on the other hand is a teacher, and she's wonderful with children. It was not my skill set. It was not my my strength zone or whatever you want to call it. I was it was really an effort um, mm-hmm. because I think that I was born to be a business person and an entrepreneur. And yet I felt like I had this calling and this blessing of being a mom at home on one income in the DC area, which is a pretty high, um, in, you know, the standard of living is pretty high. And so or the cost of living is pretty high. And so it was a that was probably the sacrifice, the but really what it was, was more recognizing that this wasn't my gift zone, I did a lot of volunteer work. At the same time, it did not feel fulfilling. And so many years of just feeling like I'm putting myself on hold (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like, okay, when do I get to have Karen back? And Mm -hmm. so when the, and and again, I love those years and my children, I think were blessed by it as well. And I know Andy was knowing that he had me there. So wasn't, there wasn't any um, really negative outcome other than I felt like there was always something more. 
and I had done some part-time work. And so, again, not very fulfilling part-time work, but I had done some contributing to the to the family income. And then when our son hit about the middle school years and daughter in, in later elementary, I ventured back into full-time employment. And it was a traditional job back in the commercial real estate space, which is what I had done before I had um, married and, and had children. And I found that I that I really miss my kids. <laughs> it's interesting. Take something away. And that's when you recognize what you've lost, right? Right, right. And so I had this opportunity to go into the residential side and into sales. And the identity that I had of myself was not that of a salesperson. And in fact, I had, you know, I've had this conversation. I'd actually gone to seminary um, at Perkins in Dallas and thought I was going to go into ministry. So I have a very unusual master's degree, half, half ministry and half business. Mm-hmm. And so what I've decided to do instead of considering it as sales, I considered it as an opportunity to help people in the transitions of their life, which when you're buying and selling a home, there's a lot of stress uh, associated with that. And so I took a, that con- kind of a consulting and helping service oriented position The I had the other side, I kind of call it the soft and hard side of, I had the soft side of the relationships and, and that and then I had the actual background of business and negotiations and, and financial knowledge and strategy. And so I really came to it with an, a unique way and became successful pretty quickly, even though I said I never wanted to do sales. Wow. Wow. And, and, and success, you really have had a lot of success. Uh, I want to come back to, to uh, the fulfillment part of it, but let's just talk about your success in the real estate space. Um, tell me some of, some of your accomplishments in real estate, some of the things you've been able to achieve by way of sales. Can you share any of that with our audience? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and there's also been the down cycles too. So uh, met with first year sold 12 homes, which is pretty good for a rookie year, considering I was doing it part time. And a couple of years later, uh, at the top agent in our market area, she was number 10 in the nation. Sue Huckabee asked me to become her partner. And that was in 06. And then I so I took over her business, which was like $100 million a year business. And 06, which was like a huge like, you know, going from doing my own deals to running a major uh, mega team. And sadly, she passed away in 08, which is when the financial markets crashed and the real estate market crashed. And so it wasn't all (laughs) a positive trajectory. Uh, The in 2009, recognizing I I did not want to run a team on my own. And I Lizzie Conroy and I had met actually at church. She was a past client and she joined the team and became my business partner. And so since 09, rebuilding back up and have made the Wall Street Journal top realtor team list out of 250. Uh, We statistically rank in the top 100 out of 190,000 agents a year in our company of Keller Williams and so we we sell a lot of houses we help a lot of people and it's it's been a real honor and a privilege like i said it when i look at it, uh our mission of impacting and improving people's lives it really is 
I sometimes I think we get really close to people, uh, very intimate. Um, we have a lot, like right now, I have a friend of mine whose mother passed away at 97. Her family is selling the family home. There's a lot of memories there. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, siblings working through their grief. And so I look at it um, in, in a lot of ways as a ministry. Uh, we we work with all people in all situations, life challenges and opportunities. There's the, the happy times too, the the babies and the marriages and the uh you know, all of those is graduations and, you know, the, all the different seasons of life. You know, I like I like what you said, because I, I never really looked at real estate sales through that lens, that it's it's a service for people in transition, like at different seasons of their lives, whether they're downgrading or upgrading or relocating, et cetera. You know, some of the transition uh components that go into that I wasn't really sensitive to until you just said that and how you're actually actually aiding people and getting close to people in that time. And that's probably why you're so successful in it, because like when people connect with you, it, you, you just feel like there's the, the gap between strangers and family is closed so quickly with you is really, really special. Um, you also talked about fulfilling work, like you know, you you. What, what is it that's most fulfilling about your work now um, that you can explain to your to our audience? Like, what what and how important is fulfillment to you, even beyond the financial side of it? Well, I will have to say there is something to be said for that because I think that for me it was volunteer work was fulfilling, but it didn't provide that accomplishment, if you will, that uh, doing the business side does for me and and then the opportunity that I'm able to create. So, you know, I have a team, we have a number of staff, we have agents that I mentor, it, it has an opportunity to, to make a bigger contribution. It, it, at least it, it has for my even though, way back in the beginning, when it was impacting that one person you know i know you've seen that you know that that um or heard that story of you know when you're walking along the beach and you know throwing the uh, um whatever the little critters that had gotten out of the water needed to get but thrown back in the crab or whatever and it's like it matters to that one it really it still even matters to that one uh we get so involved in people's lives i i did look it up there's this there's this the scale um the stressful life events and daily hassles scale the srrs and if you look at the the top life events which is when we work with people uh death of a spouse death of a close family member divorce marital separation um Marriage actually is number seven on the list, believe it or not. Uh, pregnancy, we see a lot of people, in, you know, when they're raising their families and expanding their families. Um, so moving is on that list in several different ways. Taking on a mortgage is number 20. Um, the uh, anytime uh, you move, so 28 is actually moving physically. So we can have two or three of these happen all at the same time um, yeah. in people. And so being a part of their lives is really very meaningful on a, on a micro level, but then on the macro level, making a bigger impact also in the, the people that we work with and then the community. 
So, so let me go back to one of our themes for today, and that's talking to a mom out there. Maybe she's married, maybe she's not. Um, if she's married, she's more likely to be focused on just mothering. If she's not married, then she's probably already engaged in a career to make ends meet. But let's say it's a mom out there and she's married and she's got less than a fulfilling career, but she's really doing a big assignment in mothering her children. And maybe she feels like you. She feels like, I'm not really, this is not my strength zone. This is not my my ideal you know, position. Uh, any advice for a mom in that situation, how to navigate through those tough years? And, and then secondly, how do you know when it's time to transition? Like, is there, is there a particular age that's like, or stage that you want the kids at before you make that move? Well, I think that's very personal. Uh, for me, it was when they hit the middle school years. I see that pretty frequently. Also, the college years are coming down the pike and bringing in that extra income can also have a, a positive impact. My business partner, though, her kids were young. They were preschoolers and she got a nanny. And and so, and then ended up, both of us have then ended up changing places with our husbands and we're the primary breadwinners. So, the, the fascinating thing about it was it was not the the projection or the intent we didn't like look forward you know 10 years ago yeah and at some point we're going to be the primary breadwinner but the the benefit was that because we had put those steps in place earlier on then when that did happen we were because i i i see what can happen um there's so much change going on and even the pressure that men are under being the primary breadwinner i think it is helpful when there's um you know diversified <laughs> if you will yeah. and so you know it, it, the sales is is not for everyone and i would so i'm not saying everybody should go out into real estate sales but everybody does have probably a passion and this is my message in my most recent book, The Flip Time Love Life, of you know, following your passion, figuring out what your passion is, um, it's based on the heroine's journey. Many people are familiar with the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell, but it's based on the heroine's journey that we all have a call to adventure. And if you think about it from a faith-based, God has called all of us to what we you know, were created to be. And what that is, is for you to discover, I I'm, I can share my story and how it has changed my life and my family's life and the people around me. That's the other discovery that I've made along the way is when when um, I was home, I felt like it was selfish to spend time on me or to invest in me, uh, that those resources should go to the kids or to the family or, you know, the home or whatever. And what I've found through this journey and being part of the quantum leap mastermind and coaching and working with mentors is it's actually not selfish at all uh, what's good for me actually turns out to be better for the people around me because when i'm living at what i'm created to be uh, or you could call it zone of genius or you could call it your highest and best self or self-actualize there's all sorts of psychological terms for it. but whatever it is when you're living that then you are capable of so much more and giving so much more and setting an example uh, for the people around you including your children um, so that's one of the message I, I i thank you for giving me the opportunity to share because i i find that a, a lot of women 
believe that if they were to invest in themselves or spend time on themselves or what they want to do, that, that they would be, they're, they're seeing it as a, it's like what they do for them is taking away from someone else. And I believe that what you do for yourself is actually better for the people in your life. I like that. I, I would agree. I think, I think a better me creates a better we, right? Everybody's going to be better off if I'm in a better place and I'm doing what I was designed to do. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think some mother especially needs to be unguilted from feeling you know, a sense of a, like I'm abandoning my children if I work on myself, if I go back and get trained to do something that I love and, and, um, and, and actually make a greater contribution even to my family's financial construct uh, in this sense. In, in your case, you end up carrying the load financially in a significant way. What was, what was the early transition like for you? Was it so you, you kind of step out, your daughter's in the upper part of elementary school, your son's in middle school, and you step out there and you go back into the workplace. Can you remember some of the earlier days? Was it was it awkward? Was it scary? I know you said you missed the kids at first, but what was some of the what are what are some of the things people can expect when they leave the mom force and go into the workforce? Well, so I, I had the the benefit of it being the type of profession where I could do a lot of it from home. I didn't really technically start going into an office until 06 when my son left for college. I will say my son said that he was glad I waited to be famous until after he left because he really didn't want everybody knowing who his mother is. Um, mm -hmm. So the, uh, the time criteria for my profession is kind of a reverse, if you will, from the, the daily traditional work schedule and so that worked out to my benefit in the sense that that was the times that my husband could more likely be home and cover and and but there was a lot of logistics times you know still running the afternoon activities of driving the kids to their things and still coordinating to meeting people for um appointments and and things so lots of logistics and i i see uh young moms or moms with even middle schoolers uh with <laughs> that um in in trying to p put it all in and and i'll just say that i'm glad i was there i i look back and i think how short it really was in the overall scheme of things you know say that old saying of you know the the days are sh uh long but the years are short it it really did go by fast but at the time it seemed like everything was like pressing down and it's only with perspective right that we can look back and and see that i had the the benefit as well of having a husband that brought in the the primary income and so what i was bringing in was supplemental in the beginning and so that actually created some uh kind of took some of the pressure off and created some opportunities to do things you know vacations and stuff that we couldn't do in the beginning and then it meant paying for the kids to go to college and those kind of things so everybody was on board at that point <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't hard to convince them to that it was a good thing that mom was working so but there it's a very um and i think your profession is this way too so i'm not saying real estate agents are the only one but it, it's a very time is of the essence uh, kind of profession in the sense that uh, when people want um, are ready to do something they're they're ready to do it and most cases they want to do it when they have off right mm -hmm. so it's a lot of weekends and nights 
um, which again in the beginning was was great. Uh, over time, I've learned to have more of a business model of my business and work to try to keep it more in in um, business hours, but. I still negotiate. The majority of real estate contracts come in Friday night at about six o'clock. Wow. And, and I'm still, and I've sold a house on every single holiday, Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Father's Day. <laughs> so it's kind of like your profession, right? I mean, I, I, my husband was uh, with Mothers Against Drunk Driving and I remember all of the holidays, you know, there was a focus on the mission and I'm like, well, you're never going to have a holiday off, are you? <laughs> so you're the same way, though, right? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, so people don't yeah. think about that when they think about the different professionals. They just think about they have a need right then. And I work, yeah. I work every holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every holiday. And, and, and so it would be helpful to be aware of that because I, I find sometimes people enter my profession and maybe people enter your profession and they're, they're like, they don't realize that that's one of the aspects to it. Um, I, the other reason why I like it though, Keith, it's got, mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I like the variety. I, I wake up every morning and I don't know really what I'm going to do. I have a plan and I have a, you know, certain things I do every day as part of my business. But because like yesterday, my friend contacted me because her, I didn't know her mother had passed away two weeks ago. Well, now I know, which is good to know, but she was like ready. The family needed to meet with me. They were in town. And, and so, you know, it just kind of like, it changed my day. I like that. I like that variety. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I kind of like the fact that no two days are alike. And, um, and I, you know, when you go back to doing it as a mom, when you first started doing it, the blessing was that you had another stable income in your household. It didn't mean that, you know, you had to close everybody. Like, I mean, I, you know, they got it. I got it. I got to get them. I got to get this contract done. But, but, you know, you also had flexibility, which I think is also important. While I'm a big fan of entrepreneurship or being self-employed, because when you're trying to balance and juggle things that are very important to you, like a family, you want to have the flexibility of being able to be on when you have to be on or off when you need to be off. And that's the flexibility of being your own boss. And so, and then there's another thing you said that I had to write down, which I thought was powerful to somebody, somebody listening to this, who's having an awfully difficult time raising a child or, or even sometimes we're raising grandchildren. I love that statement. The days are long, but the years are short. That was so powerful because it feels that way. When you look back over the years, like where the time go, but when you're in the, when you're in it and you're at the playground and you're dealing with a child with a fever and you're trying to help them with homework and you're just feeling overwhelmed. Those days can be so long. Yes. And, and, and that is, I, I, I can now say that to people, <laughs> but I, when I was in the middle of it and I, I think part of it for me was it just because it wasn't my, my calling in the sense that I'm not just not naturally skilled at it. And so it was already out of my comfort zone. And so then when there were stressors, it really uh, impacted more. And so I, I'm, if I had known, Keith, and this is what I could say to anybody, though, right, is if I had known that this would be my future, I think I could have lived into it. And mm. so that's one of the 
you know, if I can do it, you can do it message. I would love to share is that if that's where you are right now, as a mom at home, and you're going, is there a future after this, I'm going to tell you, yes, there is. And so if, if that would have been very empowering for me, if I really, and maybe people did try to say that to me, and I wasn't open to it. Oh, there was, uh, maybe I was resistant to it thinking they just couldn't understand. And, and I can understand if that's how you feel. But I will just say that if I could have projected if somebody could have given me that vision uh, 10 years out, and then I would say, oh, wow, I get to do all that. Oh, that's okay. I can change diapers now, or I can, yeah. you know, handle this sibling rivalry situation and, and feel uh, that I'm going to be okay because I can see there's a future beyond this. Um, that would, that's a message I want to share with your, your community. Thank you so much for sharing that. We're talking to Karen Briscoe, real estate guru, mom, entrepreneur. Um, I'm going to tell you some more about her in a minute. Some of the stuff she does in the area of fitness, which is crazy uh, when you find out her age and everything. Because she's not one of those ladies that she won't tell you how old she is. She'll tell you without hesitation. Um, so I, I, I didn't ask her. That's kind of She wears it on her hat. She has hats telling you what she's going to do. <laughs> year, so. 80 by 80. Yeah, so I want to. I definitely want to get to that before we go on. So, Karen, before I ask you this next question, I want to ask you: Is are you aware of how much real estate you've been responsible for selling in your career? Like, how many millions, millions, and millions, and millions of dollars of real estate have you sold? Because I'm going to ask you a question because I want my listeners to listen up to what you had to say. Because I'm about to ask you a real estate question for real estate agents who are listening, but I want to know, I want them to know who's answering the question. That This is not somebody who just started yesterday selling houses. Can you tell us, like, generally speaking, ballpark, how much real estate you've sold? Well, 17 years mm-hmm. in the business. And on average, we our team does about 100 deals a year. Mm-hmm. So that's 1,700 deals. Mm-hmm. And then we average... Um, our, because we live in an expensive area, Keith, mm-hmm. our, our average sales price is 800000 So, so 800000 times, um, it's a lot of real estate. I was trying to do the math. You have to add 800000 times 1700 Yes, I'm 1700 Yeah. Are you doing it? Are you doing yeah. it now? Yeah. I got to do the math. My calculator doesn't go that big. <laughs> no way. No way. It's so a lot of Eight hundred thousand per transaction, right? Times. Um, let's do one thousand. Okay, that's eight hundred well, million right there. Eight hundred million, so a billion probably. Well, it's over a billion More because yeah, seven hundred is yeah one. Yeah, I think we when our when we look at our entire team, we quote one one and a half billion of uh, real estate sold. So we do a lot of a lot of houses. Yeah, so you're doing. About $1.3 billion in real estate. You've done that. So now, here's my question to the real estate agent listening out there. First of all, you need to get her book, The Five Minutes of Success in the Area of Real Estate, right? That's what it's called. Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. Uh huh. Say that again. Real Estate Success in Five Minutes a Day. Yes. Right? And you can get that on Amazon, anywhere else they can get that book. Oh, I didn't get it That's wherever a, books are sold. Yeah. Wherever books are sold. All right. So now, if you were if you were sitting in a room of real estate agents and they were just saying, 
Tell us what we need to know. Tell us, tell us some of the tenets, your, your top three or four things that you got to, you got to know to be successful in this business. Even if you've already alluded to it earlier, if I were to say, Karen, you can only tell this group of people four things, what would you tell them? Well, so the first thing is, is it really is a lead generation business. And you and I have had this conversation because actually ministry is a lead generation business too. You all just call it evangelism, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so until you have somebody sitting in the pew listening to you or somebody you're counseling with or somebody you're working with, you really don't have anything to do. You're just talking to yourself. Hmm. So in real estate, until you have a, a customer, a client, a prospect, we call it a lot of different things, a buyer, seller, you don't have anything to do. And so this is where a lot of people in, in any kind of sales or entrepreneurs is they don't realize that it's not personal <laughs> if somebody doesn't work with you, because that's what holds most people back. And particularly women, they take it personally. And I did too, for many years, I and I've had to really recognize those times where I do, uh, what I've, I've learned is, is the less I take it personally, the more often people personally will contact me. <laughs> I think I was kind of like sending out this vibe, you know, oh, I'm going to take it personally if you don't work with me. And that, that made people not want to work with me. So in, in because it really is a numbers game to be successful. And that is sometimes hard for people to recognize because they feel like if they're good that they should people should contact them and and that comes it comes with time, but in the beginning and over time it still matters that you have enough people that want to work with you. So you have to start there, and you have to have to do that every day. And I still do after seventeen years. Every day, talk to people about how I can help them with their real estate needs. Mm-hmm. And that's called lead generation. And that would be the most important thing. Absolutely. Any other, any other tip? So then from there, it's what I call consult to sell. And you all call that conversion, right? <laughs> In ministry. Um, it's taking that lead and helping them through the process. Again, I call it, I did that from a service and from a perspective of, of, meeting their needs. And as you meet their needs, whether they're a buyer, finding the house and getting it under contract and through to settlement, whether a seller, it's, it's getting the house on the market at a market price and getting the contract get to settlement. There's that is, you still have to go through that. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to stay successful. At some point, you will, um, you have to do business and same with churches and ministers they have to uh, have often ministries right and worship and and programs and that kind of thing and then the third is what i call connect build and grow because many salespeople, entrepreneurs and i'll say churches as well they they'll they'll get a lead or they'll get a customer or a client or a prospect or a parishioner <laughs> and then they'll they'll take them through the process but then they're there then they go look for the next one and you really have to think about it as a long-term scalable you know leverage and systems because it's putting those in place that then you can do more than one at a time i remember when my first broker said to me karen you're gonna the first year i sold 12 houses he said you're gonna sell a house a week and i'm like i cannot imagine that <laughs> mm -hmm. way too many and then but then my brain started working on that and i figured it out and and so that's where building something that's goes beyond 
just you're only as good as your next deal is um is the key prim the third key premise got it got it now here we go when you were transitioning because i know we're running out of time when you were transitioning from full-time momming to going into entrepreneurial work and back in the real estate game were there any um role models that you had of anybody who had kind of modeled transitioning from that space from home manager to entrepreneur or employee or did you kind of have to blaze the trail yourself so out of my friends who were stay-at-home moms at the same time i was stay-at-home moms most of them are well some of them have gone into full-time employment which is more traditional employment um some of them are still uh not employed outside the home and it's still working though i always tell people it was work and i have great respect so i i'm not saying that one is better than the other it's just the choices uh, that people uh, make and embrace them all the but no one really that i know has done it the way i have um so i did have though a mentor this sue huckabee who i ended up becoming partners with she and i i knew her from church and so i had reached out to her and she mentored me in the business side of it she was way farther ahead of me so i didn't really get to see how she did it but i was uh, mentored in that way and i've had the blessing of mentoring other people uh, behind me so that's been really more of where my my time and energy has been spent and i i have many mentors in the real estate business but i found the people that i've met through the mastermind has expanded my worldview into entrepreneurship and authorship and podcasting and and other endeavors and so i find this to be really uh, where i'm spending a lot of time and energy now where we where you and i met in the quantum leap mastermind nice nice so let's talk about your books you've written how many books and uh, how can we get them? So the the first two are the real estate related, the real estate success in five minutes a day and the commit to get lead 66 day challenge, which is a focus on, as I said, you know, the beginning is always the lead. So sometimes people want to just focus and, and take the challenge. The most Karen, yeah? stop, let me stop here. Tell us a little more about that book. So that book is about getting leads. It's, yes. it's, it's literally about getting leads. So if you're a real estate agent, and everything starts with lead generation, then you really need that tool. You're talking about somebody who sold over a billion dollars, her company sold over, her team sold over a billion dollars in real estate in the DC area. You really need to get a hold of that tool because, you know, lead generation is where it all starts. So thank you for that book. Um, for not, not just not just being successful, but helping other people be successful. Well, and you got a third book too, right? Yes, because what happens a lot of times with people, not just me, you achieve a high level success and then you look around and you go, is there something more? And I, I mentioned the heroine's journey and being on this call to adventure. And, and what I discovered is, is that I, I felt like I was very busy doing a lot of things, but I still, there was something more for me to do that, and I didn't have enough time. And so the third book is called Flip Time, Love Life. And it's a, a tale, a heroine's journey, 
for women because there's not as many heroines journey tales as there are men's heroes journeys and it it talks about what it is like to go through the you have the the transformation of things that happen that are you meet friends along the way or mentors and then you go through challenges and then you come back bearing gifts and you what you learn along along the way but this message of time and time is a, a created thing. It's a human construct. And, and I've really been embracing the idea that putting the time first into what is meaningful work, a meaningful, not just, not necessarily just work, but meaningful. And that's where the flip time comes in. I'm sure you remember Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you're supposed to work your way up the pyramid and, and start with the lower level needs and then once you've satisfied those, then you can work on self-actualization. And what happens with a lot of people is they run out of time to yeah. focus on self-actualization. Um, and you'll see this in midlife a lot of times. Um, people like thinking, okay, is this it? Is there something more? Uh, you talk about that a little bit in your books about uh, what happens. And so the idea of flipping time is to put that first. And then everything else has a way, doesn't it, of of uh in in a lot of ways it can even be better because when you're doing meaningful work then you are probably at your highest and best use what god's created you to do and then you will have even more of an impact make even more of a contribution i love it i love it a lot of people don't know this too about you but you actually read a lot of books <laughs> yes you heard about that <laughs> yeah i know i know i know and and so annually now like last year so 2018, how many books did you read in 2018? Because you keep a record of how many books you've read. I do. I had a mentor early on that suggested that. And so then I was like, okay, well, once, you know, you put a challenge in front of me, then I, then I, um, I have to start keeping track. <laughs> so, right. so, before you, so before you answer it, yes. I want our listeners to think, what do you think she's going to say? Because I want them to get a number in mind of, a, and Karen, you don't mind us telling you're you're 60, right? Yes, I turned 60 at the end of April 2019. Yes. Yeah. So Karen's 60 years old. She's a very busy professional, got a lot of stuff going on. So how many books do you think Karen Briscoe reads every year? And we're talking about completely reading a book. And so I want y'all to think of how many would be pretty respectable. Um, and then get that number in your mind. Okay, Karen, drum roll. Yeah. So 2018 was actually 300 even. It was, and, and I like to tell people I, there's, you know, like the Waze app you have where you could go, you know, figure out how to get to someplace different ways. There's the ways of reading. So I have print books and I have Kindle and then I have, which are digital, and then I have audiobooks. So I, I have all different ways of reading. 300 books. 300 books you read in 2018. I'm an avid reader. <laughs> and I have a lifetime goal of 5,000. So I've got a long life to live because I only started keeping track in 2011. So I'm at 1,428. But I think I can do it. So I set that I lifetime it. goal. 300 books. And you so you, and you know, how? How do you do that? Because you, you're not operating on a different clock than the rest of us. How do you get that done? Well, so I, I have books on my phone at all the times, like right now, Side Chickology is there. So if I, you know, I'm standing in line or whatever and have a little bit of time, I'll read. And then I always have print books because I, I do like the 
the print, but then I, I love Audible. I love audiobooks. So when I'm running or getting ready in the morning or, you know, just doing chores or whatever, I almost always have a book. Now, she says when she's running. Yes. Let's go ahead in there, too. This is one of the reasons why Karen is my hero. There's some things I want to be just like Karen. Like, I want to, you know, I want to be successful like Karen, but I don't want to do this part of her life, but I think it's very impressive. So, Karen, talk about this stuff you do with these bikes and these water thing, this swimming and this running. <laughs> so it's the 80 by 80 movement and it's uh, milestones and medals, challenges for life. So I have to preface this at 59, I competed in my first event ever and I was not an athlete as a young person. So this is I really coming at this at, at first time in, in at the age of 59. And I, was doing a sprint triathlon, which is swim, bike, and run. And I found out that I placed the fastest for my age group for the novice category. And I, I feel like I didn't even try. And so somebody said to me, well, does that mean you're going to do this again? I was like, yeah, I'm going to be that crazy person that does 80 by 80. So you could do the math. <laughs> I'm turning 60. And so that means I... By 80, that's an average of four a year. Well, I, I figure I should probably prepare for the fact that there may be some years uh, that I may not be able to do it. So, I'm, I, so you're going to do four of these triathlons a year? Well, or, or so the idea of medals is anything that – so I've done some 5Ks like a turkey trot and local community events and things. So they're not all triathlons, uh, but okay. I, am, I am doing a triathlon this coming weekend on Olympic. And so I, I am training for that. And so I do run, and so then I have my, my audible for that. So that's been powerful. But the thing I've discovered about the – challenges for life and the milestones and medals is that having milestones, having something working towards is more meaningful in terms of, of movement, getting out and going and doing a run or going and swimming or going on a bike ride. When I know I'm working towards something and, and I didn't make this up, there's a lot of research around it that there's as a, you know, many people start out with January goals of, fitness or health or losing weight or whatever and they 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 stop because they don't have anything they're working towards and this creates that and then we've got a facebook group and page and website and at some point we'll have the functionality where people can actually go in and log so we'll be encouraging each other on our movement challenges and uh so i'm, I'm really excited about uh, this community that's going to that's being developed around the 80 by 80 Amazing. You are, you're an inspiration. One last question. Um, this has been great. First of all, thank you again. This is Karen Briscoe, y'all. She's amazing. Uh, someone I really hold in high regard. I have a lot of respect for her, her faith, her drive, her vision, her, her experience, all of those things. You do have a podcast. Tell our listeners how they can tune into your podcast every week and then tell us and how they can, you know, subscribe as well. And then tell us as we close out, just maybe four or five of the coolest people you've been fortunate enough to interview on your podcast. Well, it's the five minute success podcast. And the way it came about was my book, real estate success in five minutes a day on its first birthday said it wanted a podcast because when I was going through those fundamentals of real estate, it occurred to me that those actually apply 
it's just almost everything sales entrepreneur like i said even ministry dentist uh, lawyers everybody does all of those functions so i thought wouldn't it be cool to interview you know these amazing people and it has just had wealth of opportunity of people that I could talk to. And so one of the great guests is Keith Battle. So you got to be Aww. sure and check that one out. Uh, because I, I, yeah. I use the analogy of ministry in the format of the five minute success. And I and I love the fact that you helped me show people that uh, Hal Elrod, who you and I met together, um, mm -hmm. we met through him, and he's actually been the only guest that's been on twice. So he did the one on the Miracle Morning. And then because this new book, Miracle Equation just came out, he also did that episode. Uh, Gay Hendricks, who's written countless books about the zone of genius and the joy of genius. And he's such a thought leader in that area of helping people achieve their their full potential he was um uh, the guest on my uh, f uh first anniversary um he was really that was amazing that he agreed to be my guest i was so impressed by that and then women i've had jamie masters who's a virtual millionaire she's brilliant um at what she does she's kind of the grandmother of podcasting even though she's a young woman but podcasting is such a baby area so <laughs> we, we have grandmothers that have been in a while so i've also had other just uh, please do check out the podcast you can get it wherever Absolutely. podcasts are found uh overcast stitcher itunes and obviously on the website you can check that out too what's the website the number five minute success everything is there the flip time love life the real estate success books you can also see my talk that i gave at best year of a blueprint in december in san diego i don't think you were there for that but that was uh, really a that's where the flip time came from when i did that talk uh, the idea it was about flip time and i was like so this is i had so many people say well that's a book and i'm like you're right, it is. And so that birthed between December and, and uh, it just launched uh, recently. So it was. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I know again, for, for all the real estate uh, oriented folks who are listening, you do a podcast with the, uh, the head of Keller Williams on one of your podcasts. I remember that when I was. Yes, Mo Anderson, who was the um, the the CEO of Keller Williams, a brilliant woman. Um, also, Jay Papazon, who's the author of The One Thing. Many people, along with Gary Keller, uh, he he's also been a guest. Um, I'm very very blessed that I've had a lot of a lot of top real estate guests as well. I would say our, most of our audience is probably real estate oriented, but we have a lot of entrepreneurs, authors, uh, salespeople as well. Awesome. Awesome. Karen, can't thank you enough for coming on today, being with us this week, being our special guest, talking about fulfillment in life for women, for mothers. Very, very, very great topic. Very great insight from you. A lot of a lot of gems we can take and apply to our life. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for being an inspiration. You all check out Karen Briscoe. Go to her website, Five Minute Success. Um, check out her books. She's a great spirit, great inspiration, and she's living it out and being an inspiration of many people, including myself. Thanks again, Karen. I appreciate it. And thank all of you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Keep Battle Podcast. We'll catch you next week right here.
Okay.